I don't think any of us would say, I really, really want to fail. I don't think any of us want to fail. We all want to succeed. We all want to move forward in life and go, yes, I succeeded. Yes, I achieved what I was supposed to achieve. And oftentimes, though, we miss the mark. And we get discouraged and overwhelmed. We begin to think through what society may say about us or think about us. And we begin thinking through and the fact that, you know what, I am not all that I could be. And then we stop and begin learning from the Word of God and discovering what the Word of God says about us and what, what God thinks about us and what the purposes that He has for us. And the, the book of Jeremiah says, God says, I know the plans that I have for you, plans for your blessings. And he has plans and purposes for every single person here. And not one of you is created by mistake. Some of you parents may look at you, yes, you're a little surprised. Or my wife says, no, there's no such thing as accidents, they're just blessings. But certainly, we look at this and we say, God, you want us to succeed, so therefore I'm going to do the things that you want us to, to do. You, I'm going to follow the Word of God the way that you want me to follow the Word of God. In the book of Deuteronomy, if you have your Bibles, open to the book of Deuteronomy, chapter number 8. We're going to get to that passage in just a few moments' time. To put you in the context, this is nearing the end of Moses' life. Moses was the great leader that led the children of Israel out of Egypt, and they've been wandering in the wilderness of, uh, for 40 years because of, the, of their lack of faith. And they're coming to the end of that time. And Moses basically is using the book of Deuteronomy as a reminder, reminding them of where they were, looking forward to what God has for them in the future. But also, it's just rehashing. Here's the history. Here's the Ten Commandments. And then he begins to give them a challenge. Moses knew that he was not going to enter into the promised land. And if you ever sat with someone nearing the end of their life and they're imparting wisdom upon you and teaching you the, the final things, you know, I've sat with people nearing the end of their life and I listen. I don't ignore those conversations because they have words of wisdom to share. And that's exactly where Moses is. And he's challenging the people that are his people, the people that God has entrusted upon him to lead. And these people are back and forth. They're up and they're down. And he challenges them in three areas. He says, I want you not only to listen to the word of God, I want you to remember the word of God. And more than that, I want you to obey the word of God. So I want you to listen, I want you to remember, and I want you to obey. So I was thinking through this this week. The most obvious illustration that came to my mind is my children. And my desire for them not just to listen, not just to remember my words, but also to Here's the key. Obey my words. The best illustration I, I could think of was the fact that my wife has a dog. And if you know anything about the dog, it's not my dog. My wife has a dog. And this dog leaves special little treats in the backyard. And it's the job of the children to pick up those special little treats. And you often tell them, will you go pick up the stuff in the backyard? And they'll go, yes, they listened. And you may even come back later and go, do you remember what I told you to do? Yes, Dad. It goes with a little more eye rolling. Yes, Dad. And yes, I remember what you told me to do. But you know what? I really don't care if they listen as much as if they remembered. I really want them to 
just go pick up the special little treats in the backyard. Go pick them up. I want you to obey. And the same thing for God and us in our lives. He certainly wants us to know about his word. He even wants us to remember his word. But more than that, he wants us to perform and to obey the commands that he's given to us. It's all well and good to know it in your head. It's a great deal different to live it out. So this morning, what we're going to do is we're going to look at this passage in Deuteronomy chapter number eight, and we're going to break it down into two sections. One is remembering, and the second part is don't forget, and that Moses talks through here. And we have a number of different points we'll work through in a few moments, but our principle for today, and every single Sunday at Southwest Baptist, we have a principle. That way, at the end of the service, you know what you're going to talk about. Parents, if you go and ask your kids what they learn in Southwest Kids Church, we hope that they'll tell you exactly what they're learning. They're, looking at, they're learning about Daniel, as in Daniel and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego today. And you can ask them, what did you learn today? And be careful, because they may turn it around on you and ask you what you learned. And then you can use this principle and, and help them. And this is it. Real success comes from God. It's a very simple principle to apply to our lives today. Real success comes from God. And we have several different points in this first point. Is Underneath finding success is God's testing, God's teaching, God's provision, God's discipline, and God's blessing. I'm going to work through these incredibly fast and just touch on them along the way. And then at the end, we'll make some application for our lives. So let's look at finding success. Finding success begins with, ultimately, it's God's testing of us. I do not enjoy being tested. You get that weird feeling in your stomach, and you, you, don't, you, don't, you don't like that feeling, and, it, and you get that, it's called nerves, and you get nervous, and you get that sick feeling. I don't enjoy being tested, but I certainly learn a great deal more when I'm under that tiny bit of stress. Let's begin reading in Deuteronomy chapter number 8. Verses 1 and 2. If you don't have your Bibles, you can follow along on the screens as well. It says this. The whole commandment that I command you today, you shall be careful to do. That you may live and multiply and go in and possess the land the Lord your, that the Lord swore to give your fathers. And you shall remember the whole way the Lord your God has led you these 40 years in the wilderness. That he might humble you, testing you to know what is your, in your heart whether you would keep his commandments or not. How you respond to the tests of life reveal what's really in your hearts. It's not in the easy, good times that we actually find out who we really are. What we find out who we really are, what we really believe, is normally in the really difficult times. The times that we really don't enjoy. The times when you find out that you're sick. To find out that that finances are not good, you've lost your job, or something's happening, and that's where your character begins to grow and begins to shine out. Israel, for the previous 40 years, had been led by God in the wilderness. And in that time, he allowed certain things to happen, not to, not to judge the people, but as much as to grow the people and to help them understand their necessity to follow God. You imagine, if you're familiar with the story of the children of Israel leaving Egypt, they had been slaves for previous generations. They're walking out of the land. They're being chased by the Egyptian army. They come across a sea, the Red Sea. There's no way across. In front of them is water. 
Behind them is the Egyptian army coming to get them. What do they do? And to be honest with you, nowhere in the history of mankind has it ever happened before that God parted the Red Sea and the children of Israel walked through on dry land. It's recorded in, in the Bible. It's incredible. And you look at that and you think, well, I would never have thought of that. And I have no doubt that the people, generation, even today, thousands of years later, look back and go, that is absolutely amazing. God provided for them in a miraculous way that built their faith. That time of scary testing of what are we going to do was used by God to grow them. In our society, we are one meal away from anarchy. Can you imagine if the shops all of a sudden had no food in them for one day? Are you South African men? Imagine if the butcher shop had no red meat for one day. You imagine you, you would put bars on your windows. You begin defending your food. We begin fighting over the simplest little things. And here, God allowed these people to go through some difficult times and ultimately to grow them. So first of all, we have God's testing. Not only do we find success in testing, we also find success in God's um, in God's teaching. Verse number three. In other words, God just doesn't test us to leave us where we are. He tests us in order to teach us. And verse three says, and he hum humbled you and let you, uh, let you hunger. You notice that? I don't like that part. I don't want to be hungry. But it says there, he humbled you and let you hunger. But he doesn't leave you there. And fed you with manna. Now that word manna, is a word that when the Israelites came across it, it actually quite literally means what? As in, what is it? And that was the way they described it. It was, it's been described in other places as a thin honey wafer. And every time I eat those little wafer um, biscuits, I think of manna, although I don't think it's exactly accurate. But, and what they would do, they put it together, make little cakes out of it or eat it, and it would last for one day. And every single morning, they'd wake up and gather it again, and they'd last for one day until the weekend, and it lasts for a couple of days. And he says there, and fed you with manna, which literally means, I don't know what this is, what is it? That which you did not know, nor did your fathers know, that he might make you know that man does not live by bread alone. Jesus himself quoted that, that verse, that he might... Make you know that man does not live by bread alone, but man lives by every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. When Jesus was going through his time of temptation, as he was beginning his ministry, he went into the wilderness and he fasted for 40 days. Now right there, that's incredible. And people do that even today for different things. And Jesus was fasting for 40 days. At the end of that time of fasting and prayer, Satan came and began to tempt him. And he tempted Jesus and said, why don't you make these rocks into bread? I know you're hungry. And Jesus says, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. He quoted that, this scripture right here. When we go through difficult times, we can know that God isn't doing that and allowing us to go through a hard time of being hungry or whatever the circumstances you're going through just to get you. He's doing these things to teach you, to help you to grow, to become who he's created you to be. In, in Acts chapter 4, verse 12, the scripture says, There is salvation in no one else, 
For there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. You see, Jesus Christ has provided everything that we need. He provided our salvation, our forgiveness, our hope, our peace, our joy. Our, imagine your future. As it says there in Acts 4.12, there is salvation in no one else. Our future is found in the person of Jesus Christ. And we don't often find that in the good times. It's in the difficult times that we find this hope and joy and peace and ultimately the salvation of Jesus Christ. In our society, we have an incredible country we live in. I mean, we just celebrated Australia Day last week, and you, it's always important to stop and begin to think about you know, what has God blessed us and in what ways he blessed our community and our nation. And we look around and we think to ourselves, oh, our, our nation is really tough. And we begin to see how other nations live and realize how blessed and incredibly blessed we are. Every single time, I love driving along Ocean Drive. In fact, I often go along Ocean Drive, even though it may take me a few minutes longer to get where I want to go, because I come around the corner where you can first see the ocean as you're going north, and you go, oh, what a, you know, what a country. And you look at this, and you think about the incredible blessings of God. It's not in the easy times that we often find God, because that's when we become self-reliant. It's in the difficult times, the times when we have come to the end of ourselves, that we find that salvation is found in no one else but Jesus Christ. We have God's testing and God's teaching. And also, he doesn't just leave you in the teaching. He also provides for you. And God certainly provided for the nation of Israel. And we can certainly see how he's provided for you and for me. In God's provision, in verses 3 and 4, it says, And fed you with manna, which you did not know, nor, your nor did your fathers know. And go to verse number 4. Your clothes did not wear out. On you, and your foot did not swell these 40 years. If you really, really enjoy shopping, that was not a time period to live. Your clothes didn't wear out for 40 years. I mean, if you were, <laughs> this is just my thinking, you really hope that you left Egypt wearing what you liked, because you're stuck, I hate this color on me, and you're stuck with it. For 40 years. And he called just miraculous and said, I'm going to provide for you. Not only am I going to provide for you physically with food, and other passages talks about him providing physically with water. He said, I'm also going to provide the practical things. I'm going to provide you with clothes that aren't going to wear out and shoes that aren't going to wear out. In other words, your feet aren't going to swell. They're not going to grow. The blessings that we enjoy oftentimes we have to have them taken away before we recognize what we actually have. And I believe me, I, I have a hard time praying that God will not bless our nation. And I certainly have a very hard time asking God to not bless somebody. And I don't pray ever that God doesn't bless people. But sometimes I often find the blessings in finding out that I cannot do something on my own. This building, for instance, I can say with, I guess, pride. I had nothing to do with this. It wasn't like I, we negotiated it out and we, we, we came in here. This was just handed to us. And we look at this and go, God, your provision is far beyond what we can provide for ourselves. You've given us more and greater than what we can do by ourselves. Thank you, God. Because during our times and our questions of life, like the important questions, what are we going to eat? 
What are we going to drink? What am I going to wear? Now, how many of you asked that question this morning? What am I going to wear today? You did very well. We often get very anxious. In the book of 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 7, the Bible says, Casting all your anxieties on him. Why? Because he, that is God, cares for you. Casting all your anxieties upon him because he's the one that's going to provide for you. You may not see the end. You may not have the pathway that you planned out. But according to the scripture, he's the one that cares for us. God does not miraculously provide food for you. If you walk out into your backyard and expect manna to come from heaven every morning, you're going to be very, very hungry. But God, in our society today, has provided for us in other ways. He provided jobs for you. He provided means of income. He provided you know, easy access to food. I am very glad that we're not hunter-gatherers. Because if you've seen my backyard and the, and the way that my wife and I both garden, we would starve the very first winter. He provides for us in other ways that are absolutely incredible. We find success in God's teaching. Sorry, God's testing and God's teaching and God's provision, but also, and this is, we often see, see it as negative, but I'm going to turn around into a positive. We see God find success in God's discipline. See, oftentimes we think discipline is because you did something wrong. But if we turn it around and see God's discipline as saying, I'm directing you. I'm showing you the way. As a parent directs his ch uh, children, we're not doing it because we don't love our children. We're directing them and disciplining them because we love our children. Now, as a kid, I often my parents would do this, and maybe you've done this as a parent yourself. I'm only doing this, Michael, because I love you. <laughs> Have you ever had that, you know, that, that speech from your parents? And oftentimes as a kid, I would think to myself, I wish you loved me less. But, you know, as we see God's direction and his discipline, we know it's for our benefit. And we know it's for our good. And we know we may not enjoy it at the time. And we may not understand the full extent. And certainly as a child, I rarely understood why I was getting in trouble. Like, what's wrong? I'm perfect. Verse number five says, know then in your heart. In other words, notice it says not in your head. Because it may not make sense to you, but know it deep down in your heart. As a man disciplines his son, the Lord your God disciplines you. This is not a punishment. This is child training. He's, he's disciplining us and gu guiding us for our benefit. The kindest thing a person can tell you is, no, stop when you're in danger. If you're going down a pathway that, you know, the old bridge is out sort of thing, you want someone to say no. You don't want someone to go, oh, they'll work it out themselves. I want someone to say, no, stop. there's danger in front of me. We have God's discipline, but also, and finally, is God's blessing. God's blessing part is kind of the fun part, because this is what we really want to enjoy. But I often believe that we will miss out on God's blessing and certainly miss out on recognizing that it's God who is blessing us, unless we've experienced the teaching and the testing and the provision and the discipline that God has given to us, we often miss out because naturally we think to ourselves, wow, I'm good. Let's look and see what God's warning is through Moses to the children of Israel. And I believe that we can apply the same principles to our lives where we are today. Verses 6 through 10 says this. So 
You shall keep the commandments of the Lord your God by walking in His ways and by fearing Him. For the Lord your God is bringing you into a good land, a land of brooks of water and of fountains and springs flowing out of the valleys and hills, a land of wheat and barley, of vines and fig trees and pomegranates, a land of olive trees and honey, a land in which you will eat bread without scarcity, in which you will lack nothing, a land whose stones are iron and whose hills can dig, you can dig copper. Verse 10 says, And you shall eat and be full, and you shall bless the Lord your God with the good land that he has given you. We look at this and go, that's absolutely incredible. And you imagine these people, for the previous entire generation, every single person in the nation of Israel, except for two, which was a man named Joshua and another man named Caleb, who had been faithful to God, the entire previous generation had died off and there were these was a brand new generation all these people had known is walking through and wondering in the wilderness they've experienced god's blessings upon them and things that they didn't work for the manna that was given to them and god's provision and now they're about to cross over across the jordan river into the promised land and this land was described in other places as a land flowing with milk and honey And the way that God describes it here in these verses is everything that you're going to need to live and live successfully, I have given to you. That's absolutely amazing. And this is not a get-rich-quick scheme sermon, so don't get too excited. What this is, is God will give you exactly what you need. And he will provide for you in exactly the way that he wants to provide for you. And the fact, exactly the way that you need to be provided for. In other words, he will give you just enough. Nothing more, nothing less. I've thought about this in, in context of time. The length of your life is known by God from the beginning of time. He's given you just enough years, nothing more, nothing less, to accomplish the plan that he has for you in your life. <coughs> to be honest with you, that's quite humbling to think that I've been given just enough time. I don't have a day to waste by not following and doing the things that God wants me to do because that's where I'm going to find real success. Verse number 10 again, it says, And you shall eat and be full, and you shall bless the Lord your God for the good land he has given you. You shall bless the Lord your God. We receive the blessings so that we can return the blessings. And this is where Moses changes. And he changes focuses a little bit. And I believe for us, where we are today, we've been given as a local church incredible blessings. We have been given a a, a campus that we could not afford. When this place first came up for sale, someone said, we should buy that. And I went, ha, we can't even afford the down payment, let alone anything else. There's no way we could ever do that. Quite honestly, I never even considered it. It's moved on. Someone else obviously has a better prayer life than me and prayed better. Because we see how God has blessed us far beyond what we deserve. As we look around this campus, and I encourage you, if you've not been around here, within reason, take a walk. 
be respectful. Don't go, like, you know, if the door's open, you can probably go through it. And have a look around and see the library and see the kids' ministry area upstairs and, and have a look around. For this year, we're able to keep the kids' things permanently set up. And it's a little bit messy right now, but across the way, in fact, it's locked right now, but across the way, there's a room that we're still painting. In fact, around 2 o'clock today, if you want to come help me paint, there's nothing more you know, satisfying than painting. And we're going to be finishing off that, that painting across the way. And there's a, a room that we're going to share with the after-school care for, for our teenagers over the weekend. There's incredible things around the school. We look at this and we go, wow, God, you have incredibly blessed us. And we look at that and we go, wow. But we have a tendency, and this is a natural tendency. This is the warning that, that Moses was giving to the nation of Israel that I'm giving to us today as a church is to stop and think, where did these blessings come from? They certainly didn't come from our strength and our power. We must constantly remind ourselves that these came from God, not from us. The verse again, you shall bless the Lord your God. God blesses us so that we can turn that around in blessings and praise to him. With God, we find success, and we certainly want to find success. None of us wake up in the morning and go, well, I can't wait to fail. We all want success. And I believe that God gives us the tools and the means to be successful in his eyes. He will give us just enough time, just enough money, just enough resources, just enough opportunities to do exactly what he wants us to do. But for us, our response is to do what he's asked us to do. Remember the beginning when I talked about listening and remembering and then ultimately obeying? That's the key. Let's look at the next point, which is forgetting the source. Moses says, don't forget who gave you these blessings. Don't forget who has given you this land. For us where we are, don't forget who's given you your home, who's given you your job, who's given you your family, who's given you the opportunities, who's ultimately given you your life, not just for now, but for eternity in heaven, if you know Jesus Christ as your Savior. And we look at this and we go, wow. And so verse number 11, we're going to read verses 11, 14, and 17 says this. Take care lest you forget the Lord your God. He just finished talking about all the wonderful blessings. Now he's saying, be careful, don't forget the Lord your God. By not keeping his commandments and his rules and his statutes, which I command you today, then your hearts will then your hearts be lifted up and you forget the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. Verse 17. Beware lest you say in your hearts, My power and the might of my hand have gotten me this wealth. Because we naturally become forgetful. There's a generation that's almost left us, which is the generation that fought in the Second World War. We forget what took place and the sacrifice that took place. And as time goes on, we soon forget that what, what, what the sacrifice of, of people and the fact that they gave their children to die on a battlefront thousands and thousands of kilometers away for ultimately for the freedom that we enjoy today. In a similar way, that's exactly what Moses was telling the nation of Israel through the words of God. Don't forget what's happening here today so we can look forward to the future because in the future, it's going to be different. It's going to be wonderful. It's going to be tremendous. We're going to enjoy the blessings, but don't forget where they came from because we have a natural tendency, as it says in verse number 14, to be proud. 
and to turn it around on ourselves and say, look at what we have done. Verse 14 says, then your hearts be lifted up and you forget the Lord your God. There's a good pride. And there is such a thing as a good pride. I want those who worked here and did different things, which I won't point them out individually. But I, in fact, in many ways, I don't really want you to notice the things. And if they did a really good job, you won't even see where they did things. It just flows in. And you, I want you to look at this and look back and go, that was just tremendous. I'm really glad I had a part in that. I'm proud of what we accomplished. A good pride. Thank you, God, for allowing us to do these things. There's the other pride we go, yes, I did that. And yes, it was a lot of work. And yes, I did that. I'm waiting for you to go, wow, you're really good, Michael. That's the, that's the pride. We don't want that. And that's the natural way. We want the, the, the people to heap praise upon us. That's not the, pri the, the pri pride that we want to see. We want to go back to the source and, re and not forget the Lord our God. There's a quote that, I, that is very powerful to me that I came across by a pastor in the U.S. named Craig Rochelle. And Craig Rochelle says this, the greatest threat to your future success is current success. The greatest threat to your future success is current success. Because currently, we are doing great as a church. Quite honestly, as our offerings are doing wonderful. People are coming. We have baptism in a couple of weeks' time. A little plug for baptism. If you need to be baptized, you can sign up just outside the table there. And we, tremendous things are happening. New people are coming to church, and new people are coming to know Christ as their Savior. We're doing tremendous. And we can stop and go, boy, aren't we good? Thank you, God, for what you've done in us. Thank you, God, for your blessings. We also become self-reliant. And this is the warning that he gives. Do, don't become self-reliant. Verse number 17. Beware lest you say in your heart, I'm going to emphasize the my part, my power and the might of my hand have gotten me this wealth. Warning is it's very easy to become proud and self-reliant. And this is your first time at Southwest Baptist Church. Let me give you absolutely welcome. But if, if you've been around for a while, you understand the history of our church, how we've gone through different circumstances and, and different opportunities, and things have been incredibly hot in our room. Little, this air conditioners are wonderful, and if you're cold today, good, because they're working. Because we went through a several years at Dial-Up College where it was like an oven in the summer and literally a fridge. We put milk in there and it froze. It was freezing in the room. And we look at this and we go, oh, this is amazing. Aren't we good? We don't want to become proud or self-reliant. And Moses sums it up with the end of that passage in verse number 18. If you have your Bibles, I want you to look at this. I want you to see this for yourself. Verse number 18 says, you shall remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you power to get wealth. We have been given incredible blessing. He's given us the ability to perform the tasks that he wants us to perform. As a result, this is the foundation for real success in our lives. Next Sunday, we're going to be talking about and defining success from the book of Philippians chapter 2, verse 13. And we're going to be defining what real success looks like. And just a little spoiler, it turns us straight back to God and straight back to his plan and his purpose for our lives. And I believe that God gives us blessings not 
to turn around and go, aren't we good? But so that we can take a moment and say, God, aren't you fantastic? And this is my challenge for you this week. As you begin thinking through different circumstances in your life, you may feel overwhelmed. You may feel scared. You also, you may feel like you cannot handle life on your own. Take that as an opportunity to say, God, are you teaching me? Are you testing me? Am I needing to recognize your provision here? Am I undergoing some discipline here, God? What are you doing in my life so that I can turn it around as praise and blessing to you? This week is the, we can't really say it ever again, it's the first week. It's already happened. You've already been at the very first service at Southwest Baptist Church. And I don't know if Dwayne said this earlier, but as reference, we're not going to call this all the time the school. We're actually going to call this the church. In other words, where are you going to go? I'm going to the church. And I, I hope that the case for us is we feel like this is something that is ours and something we feel pride and good pride about, we're proud of. Now, something really practical. If you see rubbish flying around, guess who's responsible for that? Us. And we, we pick up the rubbish. If you see something around, we can't rely on other people to take care of it. It's us. Guess who's vacuuming the floor? It's us. Guess who's going to be cleaning the toilets? It's <laughs> us. And you know, there's all these different things that we're, we're doing. We're partnering with the school. We're taking responsibility for And I want you to look at these things and going, thank you, God, for what you've done for us. Thank you for the blessings that you've offered to us. Because in Luke chapter number 14, Jesus says this, and he's telling a, 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 a story. And he says this, the master said to the servant, go out into the highways and hedges and compel people to come in that my house may be filled. You have been here at the first service at the church, at, at Southwest Baptist Church in our new building. Congratulations. In a moment's time, we're going to pray and thank God for the blessings. As I pray, I'm going to invite you to pray along with me, recognizing different blessings that God's blessed you with and thank him for those things. And then the musicians will come, we'll sing a final song, and then there's a time of fellowship afterwards. Remember, there's another group of people coming in in a few minutes' time. Welcome them with smiles. Use this as an opportunity. Something that's really cool for our church and it's something we've never experienced before is that I'm, going to, I'm not saying this to embarrass her, but she is sitting right in the middle in the aisle. Everyone turn around. My wife's in the service. For the last six and a half years, she, you know, she's been to church sometimes, but the vast majority of the time, like 90% of the time, she's with the kids. And now she's able to come to church, and then she'll go up and serve in the second service, taking, ministering to the kids. And so this is what we want to do with the two services. We want to use it as an opportunity to serve in one service and worship in the second because in a really wonderful way as our church grows we need more people to participate and this is going to give you an opportunity to not miss out but also we want an opportunity to use the opportunities that God has given to us so we can do the things that he wants us to do as it says on the back here connect grow and serve let's pray together Lord I thank you for what you've done in our lives I thank you for opening up opportunities far beyond what we can handle or deserve on our own. It's, it's humbling to know that you've entrusted us with a, such a great gift. And Lord, as we, we look at these facilities, we're, we're grateful for them. But we know that these facilities are simply tools to be used by you for your honor and your glory. 
And as we as a church take responsibility for these facilities on a Sunday and through the weekend, Lord, I pray that there will be a place of blessing, a place that people come to know you as Savior, find a hope and joy and peace that they will not find anywhere else in this world, but they'll find it through a relationship with you. And Lord, I pray that as we go out, we'll come out excited and ready to serve you, ready to invite our friends to join us in church, ready to, to serve in ministry, just doing what you've allowed us to do with the time you've given to us so that we can ultimately give you the praise and find real success in our lives. And in Jesus' name, amen.